Natasha Yar, I challenge you. A struggle to the death. No. The challenge is unequivocally refused. Then you shall have no treaty, no vaccine, and no Lieutenant Yar. Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Season 1, Episode 3, Code of Honor. And this one is uh, is a doozy, Paul. This is, uh, oh man. Deep sigh. <laughs> in order to get us through this one, uh, we wanted to, of course, bring in another person in, into the discussion. Someone else who could probably be blamed afterwards if people did watch this <laughs> and uh, are scratching their heads going, why did I sit through this? Um, Oslik, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the show. Oh, you're... You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I accept all the blame from this uh, immediately. <laughs> I've heard some rumors this is your favorite episode. It's, it's uh, <laughs> y- yeah, let's just spread that rumor around. Let everyone on the internet know that. And I did want, this is uh, good, because I wanted to start the episode with, who said we should watch this one? Because we actually, long ago, many moons ago, when we came up with this whole project, we, we put together a bunch of episodes. And I definitely didn't put this on my list of episodes no. that I wanted to watch. And I'll, I'll, I'll save myself the potential libel and, and say that Asik told me that he has a deep hatred of this episode. So, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so this yeah, is one right. we, we had to talk about. Well, it's <sighs> polarizing. You really are blaming me for this. This is great. <laughs> no, I'm, I would have... I, I, I don't think anyone should watch this, but I'm glad that we did so that we can talk about that elephant in the room that is this episode. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that here here in a second. I want to I want to recap the episode real quick for those of you who either didn't watch it or for those of you who watched it and like me were wishing you were anywhere else. The the Enterprise is dispatched on a mission to a faraway planet whose alien beings are very similar to uh, to humanoids and indeed have a history which is similar to humans. Okay. Um, and this planet essentially is one of the only places to find a vaccine for a horrible plague, which is killing thousands, and it turns out possibly millions of Federation citizens. But in order to get said uh, vaccine, they have to navigate the planet's mysterious honor codes and strange cultural framework. And essentially what happens is, uh, you know, the, the people show up from the planet, they tour the Enterprise, and haha, they abduct a crew member from the Enterprise for honor, question mark? Um, and the entire episode revolves around them having to get Lieutenant Tasha Yar back from these, uh, these honorable people. I guess, um, and and, but then like the whole episode is just weird because none of it makes sense. I have extensive. I think I wrote more notes on this episode than I did about any of the rest of them because I so, was just question mark, question mark, question mark. I do have one really deep question. It might be the best question I ask all day. Okay. Um, oh. So just prep for that. So it's the first thing I wrote down. So so Tasha's name is Natasha. Yeah, apparently, yes. Huh. N- yeah, Natasha. Yeah, and they just call her Tasha. Yeah, I, I never picked up on that in any other watch <laughs> through this whole series ever. Hmm. Which is really uh, a point on two things. One, uh, how criminally underdeveloped her character is, and and two, how probably inconsistent <laughs> the first season is, because they probably yeah. never bring it up again. Uh, I mean, I, later, like, I mean, spoilers, 
on her gravestone, I feel like it just says Tasha. <laughs> Isn't it, her sister calls her Tasha too, right? When I they, think everyone they go back does. to the colony. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. The, huh. they, they'll retcon that by saying when they had her tombstone, they had to pay by the letter. So they just oh. decided, uh, you know, hey, oh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> the thing, the, this episode is incredibly uncomfortable for two reasons. <laughs> and I couldn't, and you guys maybe work with me on this one, I couldn't figure out whether the episode was a racist episode which was trying its hardest to be sexist or a sexist episode which was really trying to be racist because oh yes yes, yes i mean yes, yes. both of those are there i mean blatantly all the well, time is it more racist or is it more sexist that's what i'm trying to figure out <laughs> you know i think it's uh visually more racist but mm -hmm. in, the dialogue is incredibly sexist yes because so those two together make it you know this is uh, cringeworthy from the beginning to the end um, literally from the beginning to the end when they <laughs> beam onto the Enterprise and it's four black guys and they yeah. kick and they're dressed like Aladdin yep yep and then they kick a red carpet out yes <laughs> yep. everyone's looking at this like what's going on and we don't know what's going on either um, and, uh, and I, I did some background on this apparently they had fired the original director of this episode because oh. he was racist Wow. And so they, they, they promoted one of the assistant directors to finish it out. And one of the problems they had with the original director was that when he cast, the script only called for, uh, for Luton's honor guard, his immediate guards, to be black. But he ended up casting the entire population of the planet uh, as black. Um, and then apparently he was kind of a terrible person on set, and so they got rid of him. But now they've gone so far into this that they couldn't go back. And I think it sort of feels like that as the episode goes on and people are trying their best to try to save it. But it, it's not working. Because let's just cut right to it. I mean, that's the weird thing about the episode. They're, they're, I mean, they're not aliens. It's a planet filled with uh, tribal African people. Like, that's... That's right. What the whole well, thing is, and, and what I find funny is, you know, your your observation, Oslik, is pretty on the nose because it does feel like there are a bunch of just like, <laughs> we know we're trying to make it good though. Like, see, because there's like there's a part in the boardroom where they all sit down like immediately after um, the delegation yeah. arrives from the planet. And the scripting, I made a specific note of this because I snickered when I heard it. Lutan, we are aware of many of your planet's achievements and its unique similarity to an ancient earth culture we all admire. And here's an elephant or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and here's a horse. horse. The Sung Dynasty, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But then the, it's the, the problem is, uh, and I'm glad you pointed that scene out because I think at that point they already knew the episode was racist. <laughs> right. And when you hear him say that the horse is from the Sung Dynasty, you hear surprised that it's not any more racist than it, than it originally is. Because as he's leading up to it, you think he might say, here's a gift from a tribe in Africa. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but well, he doesn't, and you're like, well, I'm relieved that you didn't do this. Yeah, thank goodness like for that. They're trying to spread it around, right? They're like, well, maybe if it's not just racist towards one group, but it's racist <laughs> towards a bunch of groups. Because they talk about Native Americans later, too. They're like, oh, yeah, Native Americans used to do this thing where they'd, like, steal from a person to show that they, like, got this thing. Right. Data describes that later. It's like, oh, you're bringing, French. yeah, it's like you're bringing in all these groups, like, why? Yeah, why keep spreading this around? They they basically yeah, this entire episode is just a series of gut punches to I mean to basically to to African peoples, um to women everywhere, 
um, yeah, right. to uh, to Asian cultures, um, to Native Americans. They sucker punch the French once or twice, to which point mm-hmm. Captain Picard gets to get kind of surly with Data. It's like, it's such a weird episode. And the the scene <laughs> the scene where I got really, really uncomfortable was like... Just one. Well, I mean, just from the get-go, where I knew, like, oh god, this is this is where this is going, because I had legitimately forgotten about this episode. I knew I hated this episode and had skipped it a lot in my reviewing. Mm. Um, mm. But right away, when they beam up, <laughs> they kick out the red carpet. The guy moves forward to be like, "Here's the vaccine." Tasha says she has to take it, and he just goes, "A woman, your chief of security." Yes, Lutam, that is her expertise. And then. The scene that immediately follows that when they're in the holodeck <laughs> and uh, Lutan is there, his uh, his first guard is there, and then like right as Tasha leaves or something, he says something about, um, uh, I like you, and he looks at her, and then ominous music starts playing. Like literally all that happened is the man said he likes her, and then all of a sudden the music goes, dun, dun, you know, and I'm like, what is yeah, happening yeah. here? And this goes to, yeah. this goes to a point. That, that Asik, I think, touched on earlier, um, that, that the sexism is a lot, um, it's deeper, right? It, it's in the dialogue. It's in mm-hmm. the, the treatment of, um, they, they basically treat Yara's property the whole time through. Yes. Um, and the culture is doing it, but then uh, Picard does it. He plays along in that game. <laughs> right. um, yeah. and, and it's very much like, oh, they took her. And it would be the same as, he's treating it like, oh, they took like one of the chairs in the lounge. We better get that back tomorrow. <laughs> like it's yeah it's really rough from everybody just as a one big point is you wonder if the crew sinks to their level for the entire episode because they feel like they have to follow the rules of the prime directive just to get uh, tasha back and to prove them wrong and to essentially dishonor lutan at the end of the episode because that's the only way they can they can win yeah to Um, play the yeah to play that game against them um yeah and it is, it, it kind of feels, um, one thing that I got, and I watched this twice actually, I, I'm not sure why, but um, <laughs> especially on the second pass, I was thinking um, about like the characters and more and more, it really feels um, like they don't have a good grip of what the characters are, but it, it, what it feels like is that they wrote it for uh, original series. That yeah. it, it has that feel of an original series episode that just like somebody wrote back in the '60s and then forgot about, it and they're like, "Oh, we got a new Star Trek. Let's dust this off. Oh, we got a new yeah. captain. Just uh, well, we wanted Kirk to do this. Yeah, but yeah. you know, this new guy. And there's a scene later, like when Picard is visiting him, and like all this like tricky dialogue, and like, "Oh, I'm sure we can make that happen." But it puzzles me if you feel like that for Tasha. Why have you challenged her to a fight to the death? Not I, Yarina. I am merely a spectator. Uh But you are also a man of great importance and wealth. Great importance, perhaps. But he did... I see. You too understand the proper value of women. We understand that they are highly pleasant things. But after all unimportant except for the land they own you are a truly clever person lieutenant you stand to lose nothing either way the challenge goes a code of honor protects one captain like a magic cloak 
I will order Lieutenant Yar to fight. And may your cloak bring you all you deserve. It really feels like Kirk should be sitting there. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Kirk dialogue. It's, yeah. I'm going to pull the wool over on you. Like, I'm going to trick you because I'm Kirk. Uh, and, and, yeah, the whole thing starts to feel like it should have been Kirk, not Picard. And, and maybe they just didn't know how to write Picard, or I'm not sure what it is. But Well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there because, I'll, I mean, a lot of people don't feel this way about Gene Roddenberry because Gene Roddenberry is in a very... But I'm going to draw some comparisons between the two mainstays of science fiction, Star Trek, Star Wars, right? And so there were mm-hmm. there's there's central figures behind both of those franchises who, you know, both came to define what they were. Um, you know, George Lucas for Star Wars, Gene Roddenberry for Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry was always beloved by the fan base, but, you know, in looking back on it in retrospect, there were a lot of things that Gene did that were turbo weird. Like, I mean, and there were things that he kind of insisted be part of the show, which really, like, looking back on it was the stuff that hamstrung the show in the first two to three seasons, which, Mm -hmm. as his influence started to wane, sadly, because of his decline in health, um, the show kind of got more interesting because they were able to mo- work around some of that stuff. And in the mm-hmm. first season at large, I think there's a ton of these episodes where you're absolutely right, Paul. They either are literally scripts that were pulled out of the vault, dusted off because, you know, the original Trek had a three season run and it kind of stopped because um, it was canceled. Uh, and then the other ones feel very original series because he, um, uh, Gene surrounded himself by a lot of the talent and the writers who were involved in, in the first mm-hmm. series, in the original Star Trek. So much so that, the, you know, the pilot that we just discussed a couple episodes was actually written by uh, D.C. Fontana, who, who, was, mm-hmm. uh, who was a prolific writer um, during the original uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of that here where these characters not only aren't developed, but sort of aren't who they eventually become because they're still yeah, yeah. trying to wear the masks of, of yeah. the original series. And and the episode too is scored. The musical score sounds yeah. like a 60s episode. It's yep. got <laughs> the same sort of, it, there's no, it's not, none of the sort of synth stabs. And this is just a couple years after, I mean, the, you know, it's certainly not the sort of like James Horner type music in the background, but it's not also sort of like electronic sort of, you know, uh, incidental music isn't uh, of that type, but it's sort of '60s cues and uh, and weird. Like like you said, Burns earlier uh, when when Lutan turns to his first and says, "I want her," and you hear the like <laughs> the '70s like '60s villain music. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah. I'm really like this is taking you back, right?" Um, it yeah, really not, feels not like a good way. <laughs> it feels like they have a pit orchestra there, right? Like that that is playing along with the scene. Like it is very '60s chord. Yep. Yep. And they did a lot of that. I mean, later in the show too. I mean, it's, it's, they did have a, a literally a pit orchestra pretty much on, on demand that they would score every individual episode, but I think they did it in much more uh, modern and less invasive, like just over, over the top, like hit you over the head with it kind of ways. Um, And this episode is very much not that way. It's just, it's, it's, you know, there are a lot of things this episode is subtle is definitely not one of them. (laughs) Like that is, it's, this is the opposite of that. And I wrote down this point too, because I got to thinking about this towards the end. It, it almost, it simultaneously feels like an original Star Trek episode, but it also almost kind of feels like a, a reverse Star Trek episode because most of like, uh, even the 60s era Star Trek was using science fiction as a way to hold up 
uh, social problems and shine a light on them. This episode is like regressive in a number of yeah. ways. Like it's yeah, it's it's shockingly like cringeworthy in a, in just tons of ways. Where I'm like, ew, this is Star Trek, really? Because like the original series might have been awkward and and you know sort of ham-handed with some stuff, but they tried to speak about racism. They tried to speak about equality in ways that were positive, in ways that that were like, no, we're in the future, we're better than this. And this episode almost felt like a complete 180 to me, where I was like sexism abounds racism why not you know and it's just like what yeah. ew gross like so yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was the thing that stood out for me a lot actually yeah yeah and and it, it is potentially a missed opportunity there right of that yeah you've mentioned it they the way they solve the problem is to stoop the, to this dishonorable level and be mm -hmm. like well you know it's that's like pull a technicality and be like well she died but then we like gave her anti-poison so <laughs> so cool. uh -huh. yeah well and, <laughs> so. And, and before we get to that big reveal too there's like there's essentially i mean oh, the sorry spoiler yeah spoiler alert. Someone dies. somebody right now is just turning off their their Not device the and like forget this uh, like i'm not right no one's important, important. <laughs> um but the the thing that's really weird to me um too is that in the middle of the episode like what i didn't see coming was um okay so we get to the planet they abduct lieutenant yar Right. Lutan is making him fight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And essentially what happens is it devolves into an episode of Space Mori Povich because it's now like a like a lady fight, right? Like it's just yep, like, right. no, -uh, you can't take my man. And like that part of it was also super cringeworthy because I mean that to me was like aside from the stuff that was overtly like language sexist, like that to me was the the core of the episode and its sexism was that these two women are just going to straight up fight over this dude. And right. Lieutenant Yar, who is a person from an advanced civilization, uh, you know, an incredibly powerful person and, and you know, just would should not be in this situation at all. She has some exchanges between her and Counselor Troy where it's like, yeah, it was nice when he was thinking about me. And I'm like, what? Right. What? Right, right, no, right, right. uh, uh, not cool. Right. Like that's that is the worst. I mean, we're, we've done, we haven't done best and worst yet, but this is that is the worst scene in the episode when Troy <laughs> yeah. and Troy and to your point earlier, Paul, Troy is Spock, so she's the most yeah. rational yeah. and logical person in this episode, and and you know, therapeutic as a therapist, she's supposed to be you know present your argument against you and see why you thought through it, so it makes sense. But she's emotionless, mm -hmm. and then she tricks Yar, and she tricks she tricks Natasha Yar into admitting that she found the attention from Lutan to be attractive. But it was a thrill. Lutan is such, such a basic male image. And having him say he wants you. Yes, of course, it made me feel good when he. Troy, I'm your friend and you tricked me. Only so you'd think about it. Why? <laughs> why? Why does it matter? It's unnecessary. No, and, no. Just, just think about that. <laughs> you know, and and yeah, I, I was seeing a lot of the comparison. I, I was really seeing Picard as as Kirk, but that is a really good point because, yeah, it is a very Spock solution to this episode. And and Troy does come off like Vulcan. Like she she comes off very emotionless in this episode. She, she literally says, you know, Captain Betazoid blood is also very practical. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's as if. Like you like, said, I'm half Betazoid. Oh, the other half? I didn't say it was human. I'm half Vulcan. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's the other half. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
And so, I mean, essentially that part of the episode is just you you eventually come to find out that that Lutan is, uh, you know, the game that he's playing is, and they, they tip that hat really awkwardly too, that he has a lot of influence. He has a lot of like political influence amongst people, but he has no wealth of his own. It all comes from his wife, uh, Yurina, right? I want to say. Yep, that's um, right. And so his idea is to show off in this honor culture by abducting somebody from the powerful starship enterprise but then get her into a fight to the death with his current wife so his current wife will die because he's seen <laughs> yar fight and believes he can beat her in combat so right. that he if he doesn't get a wife out of it you know lieutenant yar which you know he's like whatever bonus um he at least gets the <laughs> wealth from from his existing wife and like that whole thing is just I'm, I'm like to try to track that there are a couple of times where I'm like I had to go back to my notes to go what is actually going on here I imagine most people watching would just have given up at that point but uh and, and just to clarify it like he's like king of this planet or something they never he's yeah he's a leader like but they don't go into what <laughs> what that means because yeah. he's yeah, yeah, dealing yeah, with the planet right he's saying yeah. We have this vaccine, mm -hmm. apparently already manufactured, because they only talk about the vaccine. They don't say, like, oh, we have a plant that can cure this or something. Yeah. They talk about the manufactured vaccine. Uh, oh, we got piles of this. Like, beam it up when you're ready. And, you know, we're going to do this deal. I'm going to steal this stuff. Oh, see, I'm doing it now. We're going to steal a person. Um, and, and you're going to deal with me on my terms. But, yeah, it's like... He doesn't come across as the leader of a tribe. He comes across as like king of this very small planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's part partly why I think it's it, it's even more <coughs> because they have to establish what the threat is, right? And it's not only that he's captured Yar, but that he's quote unquote a basic male image, yep, <laughs> um, which which excites women in ways that they're uncomfortable with. Um, <laughs> that he's he's gone over in Picard, right? They captured uh, the, the, the um, Yar, right? That um, he has the resource in hand, but we never quite get the, and we know that he doesn't actually have any, you know, uh, as you said before, right? His, his land comes from Yarina. Uh, and so all he has essentially is honor. So you've got to find ways to construct this character, but without actually explaining anything that's that really would establish he's important, right? So you try, you try to demonstrate that he's some sort of, uh, um, you know, that he's charismatic in some way and people follow him. And it doesn't work. It's just strange. Um, uh, and so I think some of the dialogue, in part, uh, it comes off, and it's, it's absolutely sexist, but it does it so with the purpose not to make the women worse, but to make Luton seem like he's important. Yeah. And he's not enough, so it looks... It, it, the, the dialogue is even worse because we're not convinced that Luton uh, is any more than his trick, right? So yeah. it's it's it, it it sort of rings hollow as as, we, as the episode goes on. Well, and he doesn't even have. Um, there's nothing that's stopping Picard from going down there with a phaser and just being like, "Hey, yep, yep. <laughs> give me the vaccines. Sorry, we're done with this. Give me back my officer." And like, I also want to point out this thing that drove me nuts because you just hit on it, Paul. Um, the Prime Directive and its usage in this episode. Yeah, it's bad. It's Ooh. terrible. 
It's because the the Prime Directive, if you really want to look it up, I'm not going to quote you everything that I know about the Prime Directive. I probably know way too much about the Prime Directive and not enough about stuff I should know about. I thought I knew about it before this episode. <laughs> you probably do, and this episode does not. Um, yeah, exactly. There's, no, there's nothing about the Prime Directive that would stop them from getting an abducted crew member back from a planet who already knows that they exist and has advanced enough technology to beam to their starship. Okay? Prime right. Directive not an application here if the conflict of that episode had to do with the fact if this were a better episode and it were written about how lutan was engaged in in some sort of political trickery between him and another opposing faction on the planet and they had the vaccine locked up between them and that had to be resolved prime directive applies okay that's the tension in the episode someone right. straight up steals somebody from your starship like abducts a human being and holds them hostage and they're like haha no vaccine nothing is preventing you from at least going down there and taking your crew member back that's right that's right and, and they, it, it is it is a, a good point to bring up that there's so many other ways you could frame this right that like you again maybe they don't have the vaccine they have a plant or something and maybe they use it for something else that is completely unrelated to this medicinal use um but starfleet knows that like well okay now I'm, now i'm writing dune um but it, there's there's something on this planet that's only on this planet that um that they have to go down and get and then maybe they 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 do this in the series later but they go down and pretend to be of this culture to try to take some and they get yeah. found out and then one of them gets kidnapped and then they're like well where did you come from and they can't be like oh we came from space and we mm -hmm. want this right. stuff and we'll mm -hmm. trade with you because they don't know that space exists or people exist out in space mm -hmm. um so there's and, and you could have the same backdrop and the same the same races and the same sexism um yeah but it would it would there's, there's easy fixes there, I, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, essentially, and, and, yeah. the the prime directive is non-interference in in cultures which aren't advanced enough to know about the outside universe. That's essentially it. That's all. That's all that it has to do. There's a bunch and of other stuff associated with it. Those are some of the most interesting episodes later. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. it's a really yeah. cool uh, moralistic standard for the Federation to have because it, it's really hard for them. But it's also framed as it's hard for a reason and it's the right thing to do. And, and those are those are cool episodes and cool ideas to play with. But right, this, right. its usage here seems to indicate, again, this is an episode that just keeps swinging at stuff and doesn't really know what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah, and I think part of it is a, it's, it's the framing, like you said at the very beginning, where the threat is supposed to be that uh, this other colony is going to die. Uh, or there are people who are going to die by the millions if we mm -hmm. don't get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Picard, uh, for various reasons, chooses not to take the routes that all of you, have, that both of you have laid out because he feels like there's a diplomatic solution. Or Troy literally says, how simple all this would have been if not, if we didn't have the prime directive. And they all go, hmm, that's true. <laughs> and that's it. And, and um, immediately I was like, is it? <laughs> just is bomb the city from space. Well, and they even take it. I mean, that's the other thing that's that's maddening about it. The Enterprise actually starts, appear, like, going back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. They, they do yeah, a they little do. shock and awe. They, like, you know, they yeah. just <laughs> throw some torpedoes there yeah. into the planet and just, you know, blow them up in the atmosphere. Let them suck on that for a while. And then... You know. Completely forget about that as an option. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, we tried that. Now we can't do anything. I, I mean, that was all our photon torpedoes. <laughs> they probably did use them all up, considering how many explosions there were. Yeah. Um, Boom. 
but but like you know you think about the characters as they're as they're trying to lead the people through the through the episode right help card make the right decision and get yar to do what she has to do the one person who's not in this episode who probably could have solved all these problems isn't is Worf. yeah Worf yeah. is not in it. Oh my god! Um, I didn't even realize that until you brought it up. Where the hell was Worf? Yeah, he's. Uh, I think it, he he's just not there. And at that point, to be honest, he they probably didn't have all this. The and and it, interestingly enough, if you think about this episode as a as a test run of all the sort of Klingon honor stuff, yeah, some of the stuff is there. Um, uh, and I I don't want to give away the end, so I won't get there yet. But there's some aspects of this sort of honor-bound culture that they've cleaned up with the Klingons, because the Klingons at the end of the day will say, if you fail, I'm going to kill you, right? And mm-hmm. so this is uh, bound up a little bit too much in what someone thinks honor culture is like, uh, minus the actual killing portion. But Worf, if Worf's character had been developed enough and was present, he probably would have been able to say something like, hey, by the way, this is what they're doing, you should do this, Um but not in the way that Troy does it, where Troy says, oh, you can't do it because of the prime directive. Or right. you've got to, you know, his psychological profile is like, listen, let's try to outthink him, which is not the working into it within the structures of, that, of, of, the, of an honor culture in some sense. Um, but then again, we probably would have said no to Worf because that's how plots advance. In, in <laughs> Worf but, brings up an option that includes violence. <laughs> Captain turns to Worf and says, "The time is not now, Mister Worf." That's, that's right. Well, and that opens up a, that opens up a whole other um, sort of line here to to paint how screwed up some of this episode is. That you can imagine, like, you just swap out um, because I mean, Worf and and, and Tasha, um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of the the things that they have to do in the series, are interchangeable. Um, and you can imagine, like, Worf later becomes security chief, mm-hmm. um, and and ostensibly, at least part of this is like he's he's um, kidnapping someone who is strong, who's basically the security chief, and. Um, is a prize basically or, or, or something that's hard to, to kidnap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if you frame this episode with him um kidnapping Worf, right it unravels so much because so much is baked into this idea of this this sexist idea of of women as property right absolutely mm-hmm. yeah that's um, a good yeah, point that even without the sexual tension there even without him saying later which doesn't come until later that like I want to take her as my wife, um, all up to that point should be interchangeable with Worf if all it is is about that power struggle. Yeah. And if you're trying to imagine Worf in that, it just does not work, right? Worf would not put up with that, and they wouldn't talk about Worf like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And they do because it's this weird gender differential that yeah. is just so baked into this episode. And and Worf has been. I mean, in future episodes, Worf will get kidnapped, and he gets kidnapped a lot in DS Nine, and he's put into yeah, jail. Yeah. And it's always a character study about um, resilience mm-hmm. uh, or or Worf making bad decisions. But none of that gets put onto Yar. Yar really doesn't do anything here. I mean, she she's barely just, talks. She's literally a prop. Yeah, for for yeah, most of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and what's funny, too, is you've stumbled upon something else for, for more episodes and future discussions, which I do find funny. Um, it, it, the point, I think, has been made in the past where Worf, unfortunately, gets a beat down a lot uh, in in the in future episodes of this and DS9 and, and all of Trek because 
one of the easiest ways to display how powerful an opposing force is is to take the most powerful known element and defeat them. <laughs> so <laughs> it just involves a lot of stuff hitting Worf's head and people punching him. <laughs> right. Suddenly he gets captured. And it's yeah. like, I can imagine Michael Dorn getting those scripts and being like, again, really, guys? I mean, come yeah, on, please. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, but you know, it speaks to how good an actor he is because yeah. in this episode, everyone has to say that Yara is skilled. So, oh, you're you're beautiful. You're skilled. It's like Lisa in the room, where everyone tells her she's beautiful, and you're not <laughs> entirely convinced. But it's the same thing here with Denise Crosby. I mean, she does a whole bunch of judo moves, but you're really not convinced that she's that great in many ways, right? Uh, um, you it, you just sort of know in part because they say so, but they never demonstrate in the way that, uh, and she never really demonstrates it in the way that that Michael Dorn will, because he's he's a bigger person. He walks around with that scowl on his face. He's got all that makeup on, where you sort of know this guy's going to try to kill you if he had a chance. Right. Um, yeah. But it doesn't work with Yari, and and the way that she speaks, she's so soft spoken. She never raises her voice, and it's it 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 just doesn't work out. Um, yeah. Well, it's under- unfortunate that in an episode where where Yar is like handled poorly as a, a character, um, that it also points out all of the deficiencies in the character as well. Like I think it was yeah. in in later in in the uh, in season one when when uh, you know spoiler alert Denise Crosby will eventually leave the show. Um, I think a lot of this, we're starting to see these early signs of just like, this isn't quite working out. Um, Unfortunately, this was a terrible script to have to deal with, but also there, I mean, the, the writers are just having a heck of a time, like finding that character and finding what to do with with her. And as the third episode, this really feels like a third strike for, and I, I do think it is much more the writers, the writers not being able to write this character. Yeah. Um, just like three swings, three big misses, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and it, it is. It's, it's. It's. I don't know. Maybe it's a product of that era that, and and maybe because they were trying to do something different for that era, um, that that they wouldn't have done on original series or or of the sci-fi of the time or or of television at the time to put a female in, um, what is a pretty powerful role there, um, yeah. and then they just don't know how to work with that. I mean, this is the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, I mean, sexism on TV is still status yep. quo at that point, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. you know, it's still not completely gone today, but it's much better than it has been. But, I mean, it's, it's you're right. I think they're trying to make some of those moves, but not quite sure how to do it. One of the reasons why, um, and I won't go too far down this tangent, but one of the reasons why I like Deep Space Nine so much is that is an episode that really gets its female characters and does amazing things with them um both mm-hmm. both major kira and uh and uh dax i mean are both really mm-hmm. interesting well developed and and sometimes you know get to display more you know quote unquote power than their male counterparts and and they're at home and they yeah. live in those roles and i yeah, think yeah. they're trying to do that here with with tasha yar um but they're doing it in awkward ways, as you guys just pointed out. Oh, yeah, yeah she's so well, powerful. Oh, wow. yeah. There, there is the one scene where I was convinced. Well, it's very early, and this is the. Uh, if you ever watch this on Blu-ray viewers, um, you get to see how bad <laughs> this is. She, uh, when they first beam down to the planet after Yara's been kidnapped, she comes out with a guard, and the guard has been punched in the eye, and he's oh, got, yeah. he's, got oh, a, he's got a welt, in his, but the makeup is terrible. And so this is the moment where I think, okay, I'm convinced because Yar will beat you up if she get, if, if you give her a chance. Okay, 
But the guy walks out, and it's it's unconvincing because the makeup is so bad. Um, <laughs> I'm not convinced that this is what actually happened. But in that moment, where you know, the reason why I think a lot of the the, the female characters in future episodes are so compelling is because you, they have, really do have a visceral choice about you know taking a life or um, reflecting on something that they've done in the past where people's lives have been lost. And we don't know all that much about Yard just yet, but you never get the sense that she would kill you if she had the chance. Right. And I think that's, you know, at, at, a, at a deeper level, you know, that's, you know, if we were to think about, you know, she's, she's going to do it because she's fighting for the, uh, she's fighting for the vaccine, she's following orders, all of this stuff. But she doesn't have like a, there's no killer instinct in a way that, um, that a lot of the other characters have where they, they, they agonize over taking a life uh, in the same way. And they don't at the end of the day. Um, they know that, you know, as, as the episode goes on, when they fight, that the whole plan is to is to bring uh, is to bring uh, Yarina back to life after she gets uh, hit in the back with a giant mace. Um, <laughs> well, and let's let's talk about that because um, the the you can tell that they're building towards what they feel is going to be the action climax of this episode, which centers around this weird you know again kind of half Mori Povich half you know. Um, backyard wrestling league um re- resolution to the episode which is you know tasha yar is gonna fight uh yarina one of them's gonna die and lutan's gonna t- something i don't know so they show they show the weapons and they're analyzing them before the fight and the whole crew is there kind of in yar's corner so to speak and one more nod to the sexism in the episode someone has to point out well these weapons are w- very well built yeah. but they're light as if made Super for a woman light. That's <laughs> like, right. I just, I literally and some did. Some of like, them are pink. <laughs> yeah, I right. literally at that moment just like slapped my forehead. Like, guys, <laughs> come on, stop. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's. Oh. But they both settle. I, I didn't. I couldn't figure out if they were both supposed to pick. Um, they brought these boxes, right? They're like, okay, so pick your weapon. Mm-hmm. And they both, right. they both picked the same one. Which I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like a nod to like Yar's cunning or something, where she's like, I know she'll use this weapon or something. And they both show up with this weird scorpion claw thing with sticky things all over it that have poison in it. And yeah. they fight in an uncomfortably small neon lighted arena. Like that whole arena was like the size of my living room and I don't have a lavish house by any stretch of the imagination and while they were filming it you could tell the camera was having a hard time finding places where it could be and shoot both characters fighting in frame plus audience in background like you could just tell how small that soundstage was well and and I think part of the cinematography was also to um, to make ups for some of the fight choreography Oh God! Um, yeah, <laughs> and um, because there were there were a ton of that like close face pan, like single shot swings, um, just a lot of those corners that you cut when you don't have that that choreography now. Because yeah. um, basically, we're just like, well, take a swing and we'll film from this angle. Okay, now you guys swing around. Oh, jump around that pole. Oh, swing through this thing, and then you just kind of assemble all that that weird B B roll into a fight. Yeah, because they they really played up like both sides. Like they had that. You guys remember that exchange that Yarina and Yar had yeah. when Yarina came to her. You know, uh, came to wherever she was staying at the Hilton racist sexist inn. Um, right. And and she was like, you know, she came there to basically let her know, 
I'm not a pushover, right? Like I've, I've mm-hmm. prepared myself. Our culture, you know, we regularly prepare for this possibility. Uh, and Yar tries to talk her down. So they, they do this thing where it's like, this is going to be a fight. Like these are two right. warriors who are going to fight. And then all they do is swing around the poles awkwardly and take awkward jabs at each other. Yeah. With a, yeah. With a claw weapon. And eventually <laughs> they ace somebody in the audience. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> Which I'm like, I immediately thought, and I apologize to anyone who's a fan, but I'm like, it's the equivalent of Space NASCAR. Watch out, audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. um, the tires are poison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, I didn't even see the point. And did it actually, did they make a, a big deal out of it? But like, Urena falls over. I didn't see where she got like jabbed. No, they, yeah, she got her. Um, yeah, like she, in the, hit her in, the shoulder. she hit her in the back. Um, uh, is it the back? Yeah. yeah. I think later she has a scar on her shoulder. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And they it, beam it, her that, up and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I mean. Well, it, and to go back just to the fight choreography, I feel like there, um, there were a bunch of, where you just kind of glossed over with that hand wave. It was like, oh, they take some swings. They take some more swings. Um, I don't think they were even reusing footage, um, but I think they just redid the same shot a bunch of times mm-hmm. because there's some of those swings where it's just like, oh, and she takes the same swing again. But it didn't feel like it, it feels like, oh, uh, OK, do it from this angle. Oh, uh, yeah, do that again. That was cool. Uh, could, you, could you guys think of any other moves? Uh, just do that one again. It seems like it was a limitation of that prop because oh, yeah. maybe it looked like it, it really could have happened that if you were fighting with that thing, it would fall off and hit someone in the audience. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that was right. actually, never... that wasn't planned. That was just somebody <laughs> in the audience. Oh, you got me. <laughs> that guy was killed. Yeah. That was very And sad. it was funny that he died. I mean, because you knew that this is bad, but that he keels over. He's after so- the whole reveal is so paced, it paced in such a way where you think this guy's going to die. This guy's going to die. He sold it take so the- comically. <laughs> his eyes literally roll up into his head and then he falls over and then you have that 60s score it's like <laughs> and then Luton says commence and they have to fight again um, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like hold on give her back the thing yeah original episode uh, 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 original series episode yeah it's strange well and it is it's almost a it's almost a call to the audience that like well maybe the audience doesn't believe that these are poison better prove it yeah, yeah. See that guy in the audience? He didn't believe it was poison either. What you got now, audience? He wasn't cheering hard enough. <laughs> That's right. He wasn't hitting those sticks hard enough together. The sticks. Oh, yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> this is where we need some Foley work. I should have had, oh, I need some sticks here. Click, 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 click. Yeah. Um, well, I think, too, there, there's two things that probably happened. One, the, the scene wasn't choreographed very well. And two, I mean, the old adage in, like, uh, you know, 60s TV, and I think a lot of the holdover from this episode, too, is that, if you have script problems or you're coming up a little light in the story, just make the fight scene longer. And I think yeah. <laughs> I think this one was extended beyond what it was able to hold. And it's not even that long. It just feels like it is. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, eventually, yeah, jab, poke, bah, you know, and both uh, both the guy in the audience and Yurina kind of do the same, like, arg, and then slump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they, pull the, they pull the rug out from under... Uh, Lutan and uh, they they transport her back they bring her back um, and essentially the I guess the trick is right that Yurina was supposed to die she did die long enough to annul their marriage and so haha <laughs> right. jokes on you Lutan I'm gonna go marry your 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 first your your lieutenant guy or whatever she is not dead 
There was no death combat. You violated our agreement. There will be no treaty, no vaccine. The challenge was carried out. She died, Lieutenant. There was no challenge. She lives. We can provide you with records of her death and how Dr. Crusher brought her back. And at the instant of death, Lieutenant, a mating agreement dissolves. But this is witchcraft, Yarina. To discard a mate in this manner... Is less painful than the one you selected for me. Even as I battled, Hagon, I heard you calling out for me. Yarina, be my first one. All my land and all my goods. All I have is yours to rule. Well, I think it's time now. We've we've thoroughly gone over um, a whole bunches of the episode, but uh, I think it's time for some best and worst uh, of this particular episode. Um, anybody want to go first? Otherwise, I certainly can. So we start with bests, and um, yeah, okay. I, I think guests first. Yeah, that'll bests. Work. Okay, so um, I think you can watch this episode entirely ironically. So <laughs> if you really want to watch it, just know that it's bad and hate watch it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the best, which is why I watch this episode over and over again. Yeah, and um, he, I mean, you can you can watch it too with I think like a good buzz going sometimes maybe if you if absolutely. you if you like a you know a nice cool refreshing beer or two. Yeah, know? and there's lots of overacting that you can you can copy and you can you know annoy your friends with. Um, but I mean, in terms <laughs> of what's actually good, I think the end of this episode. I mean, there's all the sort of kernels of what would be we would see again in the Klingons, essentially, right? an honor culture, mm-hmm. um, some arcana in terms of law and marriage. At the very end, you got this sort of tempered balance of what we would see as the Klingons in, in three seasons later, where it was about here's what happens if someone dies. This is the inheritance, um, and 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 Yarina says, you know, um, you might exceed us in technology, but we but not in civilized behavior. And for me, that's the it's the longest. Uh, the lo- the punchline to the world's longest joke at that point. Yes, it is. But, <laughs> yes. but that's really a. Uh, I mean, there's that final scene was a, a, a somewhat of a redemption because then they actually turn the tables and say, now the women are in charge. Um, and, but it's so it's so slight, um, mm-hmm. and it gives you just that much, right? Um, that even for for me for repeat viewings, uh, I will watch the entire episode just to watch that boardroom scene again. Um, <laughs> Because it will flip. It essentially it's supposed to flip everything over on its end. But, but yeah, that, those are the two best things for me. You can watch this show episode ironically, and the end is actually okay um, if you can bear the rest of the episode. So, um, so I admitted I, I forget. I think it was off off air before we started that I didn't have a best going into this again. <laughs> uh, but I came up with one. Okay. Um, and 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 once we started talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, this is clearly my best. And uh, it's a lower road than the, where you went with you know. <laughs> There's some hope. Uh, it's where the guy catches the poison thing and dies. <laughs> I did laugh out loud. Because I happens. remember watching that and I was like, as soon as it happens, as soon as it's flying off your her hand, it's like you see where it's going. You're like, oh, yeah. man, somebody's going to catch this. And it's just not going to end well. And he sells it so over the top. He's like, he lifts it up and it's like, uh oh, there's some blood. And then he's like, oh, I died in the most dramatic way possible. <laughs> and now <laughs> die. Fight resume. <laughs> Um, my best moment was uh, I was I was really taken uh, off guard by it a little bit, and I was really surprised by it. But right in the middle of this episode, it's a very small scene, 
and it has next to nothing to do with what's actually happening in the episode. But there's a scene where Data goes to Jordy's quarters and Jordy is shaving. <laughs> uh-huh. And yeah. uh, and Data is is he engages in some classic Dataism and he's trying to figure out what funny is. And the exchange between those two characters actually had me grinning because it really it shows what a what a phenomenal actor um, that uh, um, uh, that I'm blanking now. Jordy LaForge, um, uh, Lavar Burton. Uh, what a wonderful actor he is, and how natural the chemistry between he and Brent Spiner is. We always come back to the human equation. Exactly. Have you continued to work on it? Constantly, my friend particularly the humor. A man goes to a store to buy some kidneys. Oh, no. He says to the shopkeeper, I'd like a pound of kiddlies, please. The shopkeeper says, you mean kidneys, don't you? The man says, I said kiddlies. Did a lie? It's too old. And you didn't tell it very well. How do you know when something is funny? It's not explainable. You, you just do. Perhaps it is you, Jordy. Including the Kittleys, I've told 662 jokes, and you have not... <laughs> including the Kittleys. Now, see, that's funny. <laughs> it was not meant as a joke. <laughs> the tongue <slipped. laughs> oh, 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 boy. Yeah. That their friendship is just one of those things that instantly... There's not a lot about this episode that works, but that just immediately, like, it clicks in, it locks in, and it's like, those two are going to be friends. It's kind of frames it, 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 all that you need to know about their relationship going forward. And I was like, that's that is that's such a nice little scene. Like, I, I, I really loved that scene. That's true. You know, uh, and that actually, yeah, that brings up a weird, like, because Data still feels a little off. But Jordy, you're right, Jordy feels really polished already. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I think a lot of it is the Barb Burton. Yeah, but, um, it's like he came in and he knew um, he had a very clear yeah, this sense. Is what, this is what Jordy's going to be. Yep, yep. Yeah. And and he and he's consistently one of one of those characters who's just a really strong character. He's he can he can kind of he's a versatile you know player too because he can he can deliver t- you know what they call techno babble or trekno babble with the best of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know he can uh, he can show drama. He can be funny. He can. I mean. He's in a lot of ways. I think he's the the crew member on the Enterprise who's the most human because he has girl problems. You know, like you find out right. later in the in the series. He, um, you know, but but he also he's very you know he's very even headed about everything. Even though he's an engineer and knows how to you know move plasma conduits and rebuild warp engines, he's always like the thinker, the solver, the doer. And and yeah, I think from from a very early part of the the series, you can see how well. Uh, fleshed out he is as a, as a, yep. as a character yep. Yep. yep so worst moments <laughs> I have mentioned this before it's the scene where they, uh, the captain and Troy first burned down, beam, to the, beam down to the planet after Yara's been kidnapped and Troy and Yara go into this discussion about the basic male image yep. and uh, Troy tricks Yara into admitting that she was attracted to the Luton yeah. and she says I just want you to think about it Period. And that was it. The worst, the worst dialogue. The worst. Per- There's nothing to that scene at all. There's absolutely unnecessary. And they could have deleted it, and it would. The episode would have been, um, well, it improved uh, uh, marginally. But that was just absolutely sexist. Uh, on top of all the racism we've already seen on, in the episode, uh, it was just bad. 
I don't know that I could just come up with one thing. <laughs> I, you must. <laughs> no worst, so no vaccine, you know. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe the, the low-hanging fruit is every single part of this episode. But um, maybe maybe what I'll say is that, that once you even factor all of that out, once you factor out that this is is racism baked on sexism just with more racism on top um it doesn't it's not even consistent like the the it's not internally consistent the things that go on like that this culture would have really cool teleporters um but then like nothing else and also we can't use our teleporters against them and also they make this vaccine for some reason and also yeah. they're primitive but also they're they're not and also we can't do things because they're not spacefaring but also they have teleporters for some reason <laughs> um and, and also uh -huh. prime directives weird and we're gonna stoop to their level because of that but al but also we don't have to because why um and yeah. we're gonna trick them and just all all that the things that just don't hold up uh, in and of themselves when you sit down and think about it. Um, yeah, it, it all feels very, and, and maybe this is a, a, a pro and con, right, that you've already touched on, that all of this feels a lot like practice, that, they're, that they had some ideas that had kernels of good ideas there, um, like having a strong female character and then they just had absolutely no idea what to do with it or right. mm -hmm. yeah. um, mm -hmm. having an Android and, and they kind of get it and, and it's still could use some policy, but they're getting there. Um, and yeah, it's just, they, they don't, they don't quite get there yet. Right. Yeah. And they, yes. they, they fail at almost everything that they try in this episode. Yeah, absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah. And it does. It just feels, yeah, it feels like it's, it's a lot <clears throat> it's decades older of an episode than, than it should be. Uh, That's right. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't even like, it's an old episode at this point and it feels older than the, the 30 some years. It almost is, mm -hmm. yeah. which is odd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think for me, my worst, uh, part of this episode was, and I actually, these are my hand, uh, my handwritten notes here for, for this episode. Uh, holy crap the holodeck scene is awkward um, oh yeah <laughs> that because i think if you take if you were to lift that scene out of the episode and just show it to somebody it would hit all of the notes that are wrong with this episode and tell you everything that you needed to know like uh yar is favorite yar line in that up in that that scene too which where, one is that where she's like oh yeah there was one of this guy the holodeck can make two even three <laughs> and then just kind of trails off that, like three would be the max though three yeah, guys yeah. totally cool i mean this is a big room and we have infinite <laughs> amounts of projections of light and force fields but i mean probably three i don't know yeah. <laughs> but the um the the scene is you know she she brings him in there haha i want to show you this holodeck and they even wanted to check it out because they're like we've heard about it and wow um which starts to demonstrate that they have what, like a base knowledge or a base level of understanding about how something like that would work, right? Dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Then they spawn a man who is supposed to fight, and I can't remember who says it, either Lutan or his assistant, but somebody just says, people without a soul? And I'm like, <laughs> oh right. my god, oh, come on. And so that scene has all of the racism as far as like, hmm, backward indigenous people, and then all of the sexism as they are literally sizing up Yar like a horse. Um, right to right. to then you know do to kidnap her and 
kick off the rest of the episode. Like the whole, <laughs> I wasn't actually there in that room, but as the member of the audience, I was like, get me out of here. Holy crap. This is awkward. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, that's pretty yeah, that is bad. Oof. So, well, um, I think we already touched on this on the on the episode preview, but just for the record, uh, if you know we were going to recommend this to a friend, I think we all know where we stand. Um, I think this one's pretty unanimous. <laughs> yeah, but man, you it was fun skip. to talk about. It, 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 I mean, yes, yes, you should skip it, especially if you want to legitimately get into Star Trek: The Next Generation. But if you're one of those people who goes in with an open mind and you're okay dealing with something that's bad just to see bad for having fun with it, I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty deliciously bad episode. Yeah. But don't show it to other people. Yeah. yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't recommend this, right? Essentially, like, a, if you're, if you're going to try to introduce someone else, what, I guess what, what we're doing, yep. don't say you have to see this episode yeah. because yeah. they might think that you're a weird person. Third. Yeah, you have to see this third ever. That would be the trick, right? Right. You watch Farpoint, which was not great. You watch um, the second episode, uh, and I'm forgetting what it was. <laughs> It's the naked right, now. It's naked naked now. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this episode, you would never want to keep watching this series. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of done. Three strikes, you're out. Sorry, guys. It was a fun run, but I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if this is your if you're if you're walking somebody through this, you just gotta skip this one. Yeah. yeah. Experts only. Exactly. Come back later. Come back later <laughs> when you have a better feel for these characters, and you could see how weird it is. Yeah. You how much. Yeah. You have to do some training before you can come back to this one. You have to fight one, I don't know, maybe two or three holodeck characters. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you have a better grip of the holodeck. When you have yeah. of all I could make one bad episode. I could even make two or three. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We won't uh, talk about any higher numbers. There we go. Uh, Oslik, I want to say thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of well, fun. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I love talking about this episode. (laughs) uh, Oh, oh boy. And until next time, I'm Jason. I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. You can create people without a soul. I could create two, even three, but really one is enough. I like you.